Welcome to Move by Grace, the podcast of Harvest Bible Chapel in Cambridge, Ohio. We're in our series, New Beginnings, the Incarnation, the Incarnation. <laughs> that, is, uh, that is to say, uh, a new way to have a handle on who God really is, the Incarnation. Do we understand, do we comprehend who He is? Do you know who God is? In the Old Testament, He was the Word of God that was being spoken and given occasionally we had this Christophany of an angel of the Lord that would come, but they didn't know. They could look to His might at Jericho or the Red Sea or other places, or they could look to His commandments. But John makes a startling statement when he says, the Word became flesh, the incarnation of God. A new way to know what God looked like and who He was. Now they had God in the flesh. If you wanted to know about God's love, look to who? Look to Jesus. If you wanted to know about God of grace, who would you look to? Jesus. If you wanted to know about God of justice, look to Jesus as He cleansed the temple. He was the Word made flesh. If you wanted to know about healing or redemption or reconciliation or even forgiveness. Think of God's forgiveness when Jesus on the cross said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. The incarnation of God. Verse 14, and the Word became flesh. The Word arrived on scene. That's what it means to become flesh. The Word became, arrived on scene as what? As flesh. But He didn't just show up for a moment. What's the next word say? And dwelt. He tabernacled. He pitched His tent as the Israelites did in the wilderness. He did amongst men. He did it amongst us. And we beheld His glory. Glory. Not everybody recognizes Jesus for who He is. I wonder, do you? They beheld His glory. The glory of the only Son. And that's unique because unlike in our society where it seems like the older you get, the unholier or stupider in your own children's minds you get, in those days, the older you got, the more they wanted to glorify the Father. My dad. Right? And so a son's job was to give glory to his Father. Jesus was full of God's glory, full of grace and truth. And John uses that. John's Gospel is all about identifying the true person of Jesus as the Messiah. So again, I ask you, do you know Him? The title of our message today is, Who Are You? This is a passage about identity. I was thinking about the song 
that the who wrote, who are you, who, 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 right? And we often wonder, who, who are we? John got asked that question right away. Uh, well, I'll, I'll call him uh, JB because we don't want to confuse John and John the Baptist, or I might call him the Baptist. Don't be offended if you're not, okay? But as followers of Jesus, I wonder, do you know who you are? Are you assuming? And I'm assuming that you are a disciple of Jesus, so do you understand what that means? John is going to give us a great picture of identity as a disciple of Jesus. Before we get there, I just wanted to, I was reminded this week as I was going through this message of, of an um, illustration that I've used before, a true story, really, about um, a group of soldiers. Really, they, were, they weren't called soldiers. They were in the, the Circus Maximus over with Nero. They were called wrestlers. And they would defend the honor of the emperor in front of the emperor. But when war broke out between the Gauls, which is Belgium, France area, these soldiers then were enlisted to go as a unit. And they were called the emperor's wrestlers. And they went up and fought the Gauls and soundly defeated them. As news reached Nero, Nero sent a return message. Nero was constantly bothered by Christians. And he had found out that there were Christians in the midst of his sacred wrestlers. Their commander, their centurion, was Vespasian. Vespasian received the news from Nero that said, there are wrestlers in your midst who are Christians. You will line them up and you will have them step forward and they will be killed. There will be no Christians in our wrestlers. Vespasian had made the men camp in an inland lake, a frozen lake in Europe, in Gaul territory, and he lined the men up and he asked, are any of you Christians? And if you are, please step forward. Now, Vespasian didn't think anyone would step forward. He knew these men. None of them would step forward. But 40 stepped forward. What would you do if you were in that lineup? Would you step forward? Would you value your own life over the testimony of Jesus Christ? Would you bear witness to the gospel truth that greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world? The hub of our message today is true disciples introduce others to Jesus. If you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, as these wrestlers were, as as John the Baptist was, You introduce others to Jesus. John introduces us to Jesus. It is his great job in this text to introduce us to Jesus. Look at verse 15. John, speaking of John the Baptist, John bore witness about him and cried out, 
He was he, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth have come through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side has made him known. This is the testimony of John. John introduces us to Jesus. John bore witness of who Jesus was. It's a key word. Write this down if you're taking notes. To bear witness. To bear witness or to, in this case it says, he bore witness. To testify was used 77 times in the book of John. John's book was about bearing witness that Jesus is the Christ so that you might have eternal life. Amen? To bear witness is to state a fact. If you are a witness, uh, uh, someone I know is going to be on jury duty real soon, someone really close to me, and uh, another friend of mine, and uh, they have to determine, are these people telling the truth? Are they bearing witness? witness to the facts. Just the facts, ma'am. Just the facts, right? Not speculation. Not opinion. That's going to be met with objection. Subjecture, Your Honor. To bear witness in this day was to bear witness of a fact. John was saying, this is a fact. This is a fact that he who was after me comes before me. That he is grace and truth. He is the only God. John is one of seven who testify in the book of John of Jesus' deity. Do you know who the others are? I'll just give them to you so you're not all shouting it out at once because I could tell you guys are super smart and I could tell you were ready for it. Right? John the Baptist is the first one, but then we come and we'll get to this next week. There's a, there's a disciple named Nathan and, and he bears witness that Jesus is the Christ. And then later on in the book, we're going to come across uh, a blind man who will bear witness that Jesus is the Christ after he is healed. Then we're going to come across Martha, who's going to bear witness at the raising of her brother Lazarus that Jesus is the Christ. And then we're going to come across Doubting Thomas. That guy gets a bad rap. He's just doing what we all do, right? But he bears witness that Jesus is the Christ. And then we come across one of my favorite disciples, Peter. And Peter bears witness. And overarching to all of this is the fact that God bore witness that Jesus was the Christ. Jesus is the perfect revelation of God. And notice the text says that John introduces to Jesus as the one who was not the law... That's Genesis through Deuteronomy. That's, as, as Jer said, that's death, right? I've told you once before about an uh, image I saw of Moses, a, a statue of Moses with the Ten Commandments, but it was in the worst of all places. It was in a graveyard. And I, uh, someone thought this would be really neat or cool, but the, the truth of the matter was they were all being judged on the law. The law meant death. No one could live the Ten Commandments nor the 636 other laws that the Jewish community came up with. Jesus was graced. 
That was the favor of God. That was kindness bestowed to us who didn't deserve it or even want it. Think about before you came to Christ, you, you didn't want his grace. You ran from it like a prodigal. I know I did. I didn't earn it. I didn't deserve it. And he was truth. He was truth. God must be worshipped in spirit and truth. Jesus spoke the truth. He was the perfect revelation of truth. And John is now bearing witness to the fact that he is not only grace or truth, but he is also the invisible God made visible. Notice in our text it says this, no one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. John is saying, listen, he's the only God you're going to see right now. Gone is the Shekinah glory. Gone is any epiphany of angels or God. This is the only God you're going to see. He is full of grace and truth. In fact, Paul wrote in Timothy chapter 6, he said, God dwells in unapproachable light. Listen, no man can look on God and live. No one has ever seen him, nor can they see him. And I want you to notice too, look at your text with, with me, verse 15. How did John bear witness? What was the method in which John bared witness? Two words. Come on, somebody help me out. I was thinking about studying this this week. He cried out. He didn't think just, well, I'll let just how, how nice I am to everybody just speak of Jesus. That, that's a good idea. Be nice. He didn't just, I'll send a tweet, right? I'm going to post this picture on Facebook of, of a cross. That's going to cry out. That's not crying out. Crying out is opening your mouth and making the truth known about Jesus to those that you love. He didn't just try to be good. He didn't, he didn't stop his swearing. He didn't stop his addictions. He went out and cried out. All you need is Jesus. He's coming. Repent. I sent, I sent Jared this Valentine. Uh, it said, roses are red, violets are blue. Repent. Right? That's what John was saying. John cared about his people, Israel. Let me ask you a question. Who do you care about? Who do you care about that you have not cried out to and shared the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ? I don't, I don't want someone to stand in front of me that I've known my entire life and I've never shared the gospel with them. I don't want them to stand in front of me at the great white throne judgment and say, why didn't you share it with me? Why didn't you tell me? Well, I was a good person. That didn't tell me about Jesus. Yeah, but I mean, you saw how I changed. That didn't tell me about Jesus. Are you crying out? I think in our society today, we could use a little crying out about Jesus. Sharing the good news of, of God with boldness. John exemplified our, our fourth 
pillar, sharing the good news of Jesus with boldness. Not obnoxiousness, boldness. Not being afraid. Secondly, John introduced us to his skeptics. He introduced Jesus to the skeptics. <laughs> Why do people question, right? Yeah, do you, ever get, you ever get somebody who goes, like, who are you? Who, who are you? I, I get that. Like, you are all super important. Why don't you just notice me, right? People, people question out of fear. They don't know who this individual is. Who's this person coming in and he's going to take over? Is he going to take over? Who are they? And people had that question about John. Who is this guy? All the Old Testament, the, the, the God of the Old Testament had gone silent. God had, had gone for periods without saying anything to his people. And they were waiting and waiting and waiting. And, and everybody would come along and go, oh, this is the Messiah. No, it's not the Messiah. Oh, this is the Messiah. No, it's not the Messiah. And then there was the legal people who, you know, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the whole religious legal group of priests. And they didn't want anybody to step on their toes. They, they had this sweet deal worked out with Rome where they could continue doing their thing and Rome would do their thing. And, and as long as everybody didn't, have a bad time, then things would go great. But if someone came along and aroused the people, we got, we got to shut that down. We got a good thing going here. So now you have John out sharing the good news, calling people to repentance. And we see what happens. Look at verse 19. This is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent, the Jews now are this it's not like all the people went, hey, go out there and see who this guy is, right? These are the leaders, the high priest, the, the Pharisees. They sent out priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask, where we got our title from today. Didn't spend a lot of time thinking about the title. It's right there. Who are you? Who are you? Can you see the indignation? This is the same John who would look at these priests and Levites and go, you brood of vipers! You're really bad people! Repent! Sorry if my finger actually pointed to one of you when I said that. Dave was looking at me like, dude. But notice what John said. They say, who are you? Did John talk about himself? He confessed. He did not... Deny, but confess. Now, that's just kind of a weird way to say uh, with authority, with urgency. He confessed. He did not deny, but confessed. I am not the Christ. He's like, I know what you guys want. I'm not him. I'm not the Christ. Now, I want you to notice a few things about John's response, right? John's response wasn't about John. John's response was about Jesus. John's responses got progressively shorter. Five words, three words, one word. And John's re ultimate response really was about humility. He wanted to introduce even his skeptics to Jesus. He says, I'm not the Christ. That's the Messiah. 
That's the anointed one. It's not a title that's earned, okay? There's some groups of Christianity who believe that Jesus earned this title called Christ. Jesus was the Christ. Jesus was the anointed one. Even at his birth, he was the Messiah. It wasn't a title earned. And John's saying, I didn't earn it. I'm not that guy. It's the reality of who Jesus was. He said, they said, well, what then? Are you Elijah? Notice three-word answer. I am not. Are you the prophet? No. Like, I can, I'm playing this out in my mind, right? This is like epic. No. They're really frustrated at this point. So they say to him, who are you? We need to give it. Here, here's the truth. Here's the truth. We need to give an answer to those who sent us. Dude, don't make us go back without an answer. we got to give an answer. To ask him if he was Elijah was kind of important too because in Malachi, it was the last words of the Old Testament, right? In Malachi, Malachi 4 verses 5 and 6 says that one, Elijah will come to bring the father's hearts back towards their children and the children's hearts back towards their father before the Messiah would come. So they're asking a really important question. If you're not the Christ, are you Elijah? Are you like the forerunner? Now, John didn't realize that he was the forerunner, Elijah. Jesus testified that he was. And John says, like, I'm not. I'm John the Baptist. He probably didn't even say he was John the Baptist. He said, I'm John. He said, well, then are you the prophet? And that's important, too, because in Deuteronomy 14, Moses was, was giving the commandments the second time to these sophomores who were about to enter into the land. He was not going to be allowed to go into the land. And what, something was written about Moses, that he was one of the greatest prophets, but there will be a prophet like Moses. And so they were looking for this great prophet. So they're like, are, are, are you him? Now that was a... That was a prophecy about Jesus, and again, he's like, no, I'm not. So they get super frustrated. you got to tell us, we need an answer, we need an answer now. What do you say about yourself? He said, I'm a voice. Now think about that. How much is a voice seen? My voice goes out right now through the airwaves here in the building, bounces off the walls into your ears, sometimes through some of your ears. And But do you see it? Maybe if I, maybe if I turn sideways, do you, do, you, do you see my voice? John makes a very humble statement there. John drew a crowd. John was baptizing people. People were, fathers were returning back to their families and families were being reunited together in the love of God. And, and John's like, I'm just a voice. I'm just a voice. I'm just unseen with a message. I'm, a, I'm the messenger. We would say it these, this way. Dude, I'm just the messenger. Don't, don't kill the messenger. Right? Heard that before? Maybe you've been the bearer of bad news. I'm just the messenger. That's what John was saying. I'm not the one. 
But he goes on to say this. He says, I'm the one uh, crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah says. Maybe we need to be reminded of this via John the Baptist, okay? People, look, look up here. People are always skeptical about Jesus. John the Baptist shows us that. But the other thing I wrote down on my notes, even in adversity, we need to be reminded that it's not our job to shine brighter than Jesus. Did you hear me? Our job isn't to shine brighter than the one who is the light of the world shining in us. Fall on grace and truth. Jesus, who is full of love, speak his words. Jesus' words reveal sin. Sometimes people don't like that. It's a hard path to follow Jesus. But be the bulb, right? What good is a bulb without the power source? Be the glass behind the the light. Be the lighthouse. Be the lampstand. And let who you are be Jesus shining out. John the Baptist teaches us much about humility. People are always skeptical about Jesus. So let Jesus shine. If you can't say amen, you better say ouch. Notice this then. Jesus introduces, excuse me, John introduces Jesus to sinners. John introduces Jesus to sinners. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees, verse 24 says, and they ask him, then then why are you baptizing? Again, this is a critical, critical statement here. They're being super critical of John the Baptist for baptizing. If you're not the Christ or Elijah or the prophet, see the criticalness of their statement there? Why are you baptizing? If you're, if you're not neither the Christ or the Elijah, I mean, what right do you have? First century baptism, everybody was familiar with it. But I want you to understand what was happening in this day. People were being baptized who were already Jews. Right? Okay, okay. Well, that never happened. Baptism was for a Gentile and their family who wanted to proselytize into Judaism. And it was a method where you were spiritually and ceremonially cleansed into the Jewish faith. Now, John's down by the river just baptizing a bunch of Jews. He wasn't a priest. He he wasn't a Levite. Well, he was a Levite. He wasn't a priest. He didn't have any right not only to speak, but baptize people. And he wasn't baptizing them into the Jewish faith. He's like, repent and be baptized. Check out Luke chapter 3. Check out Matthew chapter 3. He was going after sinners. Why? Why? He was going after sinners because he was one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. Do we understand what that role was that John had? We probably don't because it usually doesn't happen in our day, but in those days, when anyone important such as Caesar or even other great dignitaries would go forth, they would always send a forerunner. 
And they would go into and through the deserts and through the lands. And if there were trees on the ground, they would clear the path so that they could get through with no problem. They would come into a city and say, you all need to be ready. The emperor is coming. You all need to be ready. The emperor is coming. And they would ready the way for the king. Now John says, I'm just one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. Repent. Repent. And sinners were like, yes, I need to do that. The Messiah is coming. The accusation is, why why are you doing this? You're not officially supposed to be baptizing. But yet, I think it was Spurgeon who said, a young man was asking him, Spurgeon, how do you, how do you draw such a, a big crowd? You know, he's a prince of preachers back in London. And Spurgeon said, you set yourself on fire and people will come and watch you burn. And John just was sold out to show sinners Jesus. That he drew a crowd wherever he went. Because again, what good is a lampstand without a power source? He understood his power source was Jesus. Matthew 3 says this, and they were baptized by John there in the river, confessing their sins. Luke 3, 3 says, he baptized them for repentance and the forgiveness of sins. They were turning the hearts of the people back to God. He was making straight the way of the Lord. He was introducing Jesus to sinners. And so now John responds. He's like, I I baptize with water. But among you stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany, that's Bethany in the north, across the Jordan where John was baptizing. I want to talk about that last response there for just a minute because I found it super fascinating that all four Gospels record John's statement about sandals. And, and, and I want you to understand why we're doing this because John is giving us an example of what it is for us to be disciples of Jesus. We are to be introducing Jesus to everyone, but we're to have an attitude of humility. And John looked at these people who were pious and asking him all of these questions. He says, I'm not even worthy. I'm going to go off screen for a minute, but I'm not even worthy to come up to someone and, and untie the sandals of their shoes. That's kind of important. In those days, rabbis were bivocational. They, if you were to teach people about the, the Old Testament, the, the first five books, the Torah, if you were to teach any young men about the Bible, you didn't get paid for it. You were expected to have another job. But the students, the disciples of that rabbi, they would do the work for him. Like Paul was a tent maker. He was a rabbi. He was a tent maker. But his disciples would help him make tents so that he could study the scripture. And those disciples could do anything and everything for him except one thing. Can you guess what that one thing was? He, they could not wash the feet of anyone. That was a job for a servant. Their feet would be unclean, unceremonially clean. They, they, they were, or 
dirty. They, they were not allowed to touch that. Who knew where these muddy feet had been, right? Like they didn't have sweet roads like we do. They had dirt paths. They didn't have socks. They had sandals that they wore. Their feet were, I mean, stinky, let's be honest, sweaty and the hot desert. And you weren't allowed to touch that. Now, John says, let me tell you how important I am, guys. I'm here to shine Jesus. I'm not even worthy to be a servant to untie his sandals. And as I studied that, I was like, ouch. Like, how many times do I think more importantly of myself? And therefore, the light of Jesus is dimmed and the light of Nate Davis is... And then I thought about Jesus, right? Just before he goes to the cross, what does he do? Peter got super mad because he was a disciple. He knew, like, Jesus, I'm supposed to not let you do that. You can't do that to me, Jesus. You can't wash my feet. Understand what Jesus was doing in that moment. Skeptics say, to the skeptics, he says, I'm not him. But he's coming. You brood of vipers need to repent. To the sinner, he says, he is so awesome that no one can untie the sandals of his feet. We are all below him. John shows us great humility, and it's going to be a theme throughout John. John John willingly gives away his people. In fact, we see that in the next section. Not only does John introduce Jesus to the skeptics, not only does John introduce Jesus to the sinners, but John introduces Jesus to the seekers. The next day he saw Jesus coming towards him and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And that's kind of important, right? Because he was the Jewish Messiah. Now John is saying, listen, no, no, no. Not just to the Jews, He takes away the sins for everyone. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. And now he says this, I didn't know him, even though they were first cousins. I didn't know him. But for this purpose, I came baptizing with water. And so he reveals why he was baptizing. Not to the skeptics, but to his disciples. This is the reason I came baptizing with water, that he might be revealed to Israel. John bore witness. I saw the Spirit. Remember, he said a fact here. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. And I myself did not know him, but he who sent me, talking about God, sent me to baptize with water and said to me, on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain on, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and borne witness that this is, listen, he's saying a fact here. I'm bearing witness to this fact. He's the Son of God. Now, in the Gospel of John, you are not sons and daughters. You are children. John wants to make one point and one point clear. Jesus is the Son of God. The second person of the Trinity. Holy and awesome. 
How did he know it was Jesus? The Father revealed to him that the Holy Spirit would descend on him. Was it an actual dove? No, it was like a dove. In other words, when they use the word like, we know they have a hard time describing what it was like. Have you ever seen the Holy Spirit descend like a dove? I haven't. But he bore witness that Jesus was the Son of God. Notice he says, behold the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God. Genesis 22 introduces us to this lamb where Isaac asks Abraham, where's the lamb? And Abraham says, God will provide. And all through the Old Testament, the question is, where is the lamb? Where is the lamb? Where is the lamb? In Revelation, we see worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb. In all of the Gospels, we see, behold, the lamb of God. Was it the Passover lamb? No. Was it the lamb that was to be slaughtered according to Isaiah 53? No. Was it the the servant? No. Was it the daily sacrificed lamb, Nate? No. Was it the lamb that God provided? Yes, but no. Was it the victorious lamb of Revelation? No. When he was saying, behold the lamb, he was saying that this is the divine victim who would perfectly fulfill the entire sacrificial system that was foreshadowed in the Old Testament and is now available in Him. He is the Lamb of God. And then he talked about what he would do. He would take away the sins of the world. Little did they know what that meant. That three years later, he would die on a cross. I want us to also notice this, that the Spirit descended and remained on him. That means stayed. That means resided. Isaiah 11, Isaiah 42, and Isaiah 61 all foretold that when the Christ would come, the Spirit of God would descend and remain on him. Again, a fulfillment of the Old Testament. But I found it interesting, excuse me, I found it interesting that John is the greatest gospel book about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. As I was telling Jeremiah yesterday as we were traveling, I said, it's going to be so awesome to get into John 14, 15, 16, 17, where Jesus is unveiling the ministry of the Holy Spirit. John is so key into that because the people he's writing to now, the Holy Spirit is ministering to them. He notices that God, the Spirit has descended from God. It remains on Jesus, and it illuminates Jesus. All of Jesus' earthly ministry, ministry excuse me, was in communication and communion with the Holy Spirit. Well, that's our text. I just have a couple questions, and then we're going to bring it to a close. Disciples point people to Jesus, right? A disciple is one who follows a teacher. We are disciples of the disciples who are disciples of the disciples. And the history goes back to these disciples who followed Jesus. And we are to point people to Jesus. So just a couple questions here. Who are people seeing? 
When they look at you, who are people seeing? Are they seeing Jesus in your worship? Are they seeing Jesus in your walk with him? Maybe it's in small group. We've got small group youth tonight. We've got small group young adults tomorrow night. We've got other small groups that meet during the week. Are, are they seeing that in your walk? Are they, are they seeing that in your work for Jesus? Who are people seeing? Are you bearing witness? Are you bearing witness to the King of Kings? Are you stating the facts? Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Are you bearing witness to the greatness of your King? If you're a follower of Jesus, are you a lighthouse bulb? Or are you a mason can jar? What I mean by that is like, you know, are you the, have you ever been in, in a lighthouse or around a lighthouse at nighttime and super, super bright when that light comes whipping around and if you're out on the lakes or in the ocean, you can see for miles because of the brightness of the power source shining through you? Or are you this little bitty mason jar that someone has now tucked under a blanket, under a tent, under a bush. I mean, I have the light. It's just super suppressed right now. Which one are you? What do you need to improve on? Sharing the gospel with your skeptics? Sharing the gospel with sinners? Sharing the gospel with seekers? Sharing the gospel? Are you sharing the good news of Jesus with boldness? I wrote this in my notes. Are you avoiding telling the gospel to somebody? John shared it with everyone. Who might you avoid telling the gospel to? So 40 men stepped forward and said, I'm a Christian. Vespasian was shocked. These were men he loved dearly. Men he had led into battle. He could not put them to death. But what he did instead was he stripped them of all their clothes. And they were on a frozen lake and he took them to the center and he says, I'm going to build a fire all around this lake. There'll be fires, and if, if you just deny Jesus, come on in. Warm yourself on the fire. We'll give you food. I will not put you to death with my sword. It will be your choice. So he lit fires. But what he heard next changed him forever. See, the wrestlers had, a, had a, a motto that they lived by. We, the mighty wrestlers, wrestle for thee, O Caesar, to win for thee the victory and from thee the victor's crown. And as they upheld the hands of Caesar in victory, they would chant this as they went off to battle. And from the center of the frozen lake, 
quiet at first. We, the mighty wrestlers, wrestle for Thee, O Jesus, to win for Thee the victory and from Thee the victor's crown. And then five more joined in. We, the mighty wrestlers, wrestle for Thee, O Jesus, to win for Thee the victory and from Thee the victor's crown. And next thing you know, the entire encampment could hear all 40 wrestlers in the center of the ice yelling, We wrestle for Thee, O Jesus, to win from Thee the victor's crown. All night, the fires blazed. All night, the men screamed. Their, their screams became quieter and quieter until it was only a few. And now Vespasian thought, now they'll turn. Now they'll turn. And as morning broke, one soldier crawled to the shore. And he says, I renounce my faith. And then something happened. As if energized, the men yelled, We, the 39 wrestlers, wrestle for Thee, O Jesus, to win for Thee the victory, and from Thee the victor's crown. So moved by their proclamation of their love for their Savior. Vespasian, the centurion, stripped of his clothes and walked out to the center of the ice and said, no, we, the 40, wrestle for thee, O Jesus, to win for thee the victory and the victor's crown. Who are you? I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. That's great. Model John the Baptist. He was all about the importance of one thing. Jesus. Jesus. In fact, John the Baptist, when he actually baptized Jesus, says, Jesus, <laughs> I shouldn't do this. You should do this to me. Mark chapter 1. He said, I shouldn't do this. You should do this to me. And Jesus said, just do it. Do it. It needs to be done. Nothing swayed him in times of plenty with the crowd, in times of adversity, standing alone. He bore witness of Jesus. Jesus is the Son of God who has come to bear the eternal weight of judgment for your sins, for mine. He is the Messiah. As our worship team comes, my challenge for you in this text is this. Disciples share Jesus. Disciples share Jesus. Are you sharing Jesus? Maybe, maybe the question really should be, are you a disciple? If you're watching online today or if you're here in the audience, are you a follower of Jesus Christ? John is an example for every pastor to bear witness of Jesus. John is an example for every wit, uh, missionary to witness of the greatness of Jesus. John is an example for every one of us to share the gospel, good news of Jesus Christ. 
and how He has changed you. John always shined Jesus. John never shined self. He just said, I'm a voice. I'm a voice. That's all. How about you? How about you? Father in heaven, we come in the name of Jesus just asking you to help us in our walk with you. It's, it's never easy, but we understand that it's not meant to be easy. And, and, and God, I confess, and I know others would confess with me that we're not very good at behold the Lamb. We're not good at that. We're not good at proclaiming the good news of Jesus with boldness. And we ask that you would help us be better at that. Father, we pray that you would be glorified and allow Jesus to shine through us. That our family members would see, see Jesus, not, not us. That our light wouldn't shine brighter than Jesus. That we would be all about his glory as he was all about your glory. Thank you for this opportunity to be challenged by your word. You've given us this example in John of, of what a true disciple should look like. So help us to do that. Help us to be about pointing others to Jesus. And God, we pray, if there's anyone here who does not know Jesus, has not confessed their sin and, and, and given their life to, to Jesus, that they would do it today. Even as, as we pray they would be praying to receive Jesus as Savior, calling out on the name of the Lord to be saved, as Romans 10 says, confessing with their mouth that he is Lord, believing in their heart that you have raised him from the dead. We just pray, 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 Father, if there's anyone here today without Jesus as their Savior and as their Lord, as their King and as their Messiah, that you, by the power of your Spirit, would awaken their minds and their eyes to see and their ears to hear the beauty of the message of the gospel. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information about Harvest Bible Chapel in Cambridge, Ohio, check out our website at harvestcambridge.org or like us on Facebook at Harvest Cambridge. We're loved.